You are Locked On College Football, your daily podcast on all things college football. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to Locked On College Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Josh Ward. Thank you for being with us here today. It is a Ward and Wade Wednesday. Andrew Wade of Locked On Hawkeyes is here. I'm Josh Ward. I have Locked On Vols every day. Andrew, uh, you were away last week. Good to have you back on. How are you? I'm doing well, man. Yeah, glad to be back. Glad to be recording the show. Like I was telling you before the show, the internet where I was at was absolutely terrible, but it's nice to be back talking to you. And I'm excited to talk today because uh, there's some interesting stuff going on in Volunteer Nation that I think we need to get to, man. What's going on? I, I don't know. You tell me. I, I feel like there's a, a big coaching issue there. Maybe there's an issue. Tracks. There is an issue, no doubt. Yeah, that got <laughs> a lot of attention, man. The Tennessee often provides an opportunity for the internet to have fun. Whether, um, you know, you know, in this case, it, it's a pretty serious situation with Tennessee with the coaching change and all that. Uh, and whether it's true or not, what came from Dan Patrick, but the idea that Tennessee is handing out cash in McDonald's bags, true or not, the, the people are going to hear it. They're going to love it. They're going to have fun with it. And the memes are going to come out. Uh, Tennessee has also almost become meme you, I feel like, over the last few years. But, you know, whether that's true or not, Tennessee has told us it's true that a bunch of violations have occurred under the watch of Jeremy Pruitt, and he's no longer the head coach. I don't know who Tennessee's going to get to be the next head coach. It's currently Kevin Steele as an interim. He could be the head coach on the field this fall and perhaps beyond. Uh, but Tennessee needs a new athletic director as well because Philip Fulmer is retiring. So right now, it's a messy situation at Tennessee. It's, it's looked like a messy situation for a, a long period of time. There have been some bright spots, bright moments for Tennessee. But overall, if you, if you zoom out over the last 12-plus years, it does not look pretty for Tennessee football and it does not look like that right now. Yeah, I mean, uh, rough days ahead. And I also think what's what's interesting is not the fact that Tennessee has kind of struggled the last couple of years and obviously had these violations, but also the fact that the longer they delay this coaching switch, the longer they delay the athletic director switch is going to really hurt them from a recruiting standpoint. We've already seen multiple recruits decommit from Tennessee. Um, what are your thoughts on this? Because do you want to go into next season with Kevin Steele as the head coach? Because there's got, that's got to be the toughest thing to try and recruit prospects saying, oh, I'm the interim head coach. Who knows if I'll be here? What's go I mean, so I think to me, they've got to move quick because all the coaching spots are filled up. Recruiting is in full effect. I feel like this is really going to hurt them, not just for this upcoming season, but for the future years as well as this recruiting class gets decimated by departures. Yeah, it definitely could. Um let's see what kind of staff Kevin still has right now. I don't think he can hire coaches, but he might be able to by the end of the week. If he starts to put a staff together, I think that's a realistic indication that he could be the head coach for this fall. And then what you just said would be the scenario that plays out. I don't know, but Tennessee's a place to where the expectation is you recruit with Georgia, Alabama, Texas A&M with the way that it's recruiting right now, LSU. And that's not realistic right now moving forward. But I also think the flip side to that conversation is if you hire the wrong coach, if you hire somebody just to hire somebody and remove an interim, well, if you hire the wrong guy, one, he's probably not going to recruit well enough, and two, you're eventually going to have to make a change and the program's going to be in bad shape. Tennessee was in a similar position, in fact, when Lane Kiffin left. It was, it was mid-January. January 12th is the day that he left. Now, as, what makes the situation different a little bit is that Tennessee had an AD in place to, 
to go lead the search to hire a coach, but the search was a disaster. And they ended up with Derek Dooley, who had no business being the coach, but they rushed into a, a choice. They wanted to get one by the end of the week, and that's who they had. So if Tennessee goes that route and hires a coach, when by the way, we're talking about now in the second half of January and more, realis- real, more realistically in February trying to hire a coach, unless they were hiring someone like Gus Malzahn, who's just available, or – uh, you know, like a, a Bill O'Brien or uh, Gus Malzahn, um, sorry, not Gus Malzahn, but Doug Marone, names that have been thrown out there where they're more available. You're not trying to pull them away from a program where they're already a sitting head coach. I guess that could work out. Otherwise, you're probably running into a big challenge. So I think the real issue is there's not an obvious route. There, There's no obvious answer to Tennessee's problems, at least in terms of what are realistic scenarios. You know, an issue with the Gus Malzahn idea is that you have Kevin Steele as the interim coach who replaced Gus, replaced Gus Malzahn, and there was talk that maybe he was trying to get that job out from under Gus. So it's a mess. It's an overall mess for Tennessee. Yeah, I mean, it, it sounds like it to me. I mean, I wouldn't want to be in this situation, but you brought up a good point where Tennessee has these almost unrealistic expectations, and it's very important that they hire the right guy. And now there's a guy who I think would be in a, a very incredible hire but would never happen would be Matt Campbell at Iowa State, a guy who has done a phenomenal job of building up that Iowa State program. And when I think about what Tennessee needs, the issue I feel like they're running into is they're trying to compete on the same level as Alabama, as an LSU, as a Florida it's kind of the Moneyball situation. Yes, you have the resources, which Moneyball did not, the A's did not, but also you need to figure out a different way because if you try to compete the exact same way Alabama is, you're not going to win. And so uh, Matt Campbell brought in all these you know, two, three-star guys and built a five-star culture and built up Iowa State to be competitive with an Oklahoma who does compete as an Alabama or does compete like an Alabama, getting four- and five-star recruits. So is that something you're looking for? Or are you looking to compete with the Alabamas, or are you looking for a change possibly? Because clearly, and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, the SEC, um, how much – how many schools are doing things illegal, right? I mean, at some point you almost have to, to be able to compete in the sec. And what, what do you want from a head coach? Yeah. You know, the, the cheating thing is funny because um, the joke was, man, Tennessee cheating went three and seven, <laughs> but of course, Tennessee's not the only one that would be cheating. The, the issue would be, man, the, the, they seem to make it very easy to get caught according to Tennessee. The, the funny thing is, is this is all according to UT, but um I think that Tennessee needs to be realistic about what the expectations are for the program. I think Tennessee, if its goal is, okay, let's, let's become respectable. Let's get to where we're winning seven to nine games where seven and five would still be disappointing, but you don't lose your mind. And if you can get to nine wins, that's really respectable. And then at that point, maybe you can take the recruiting up a notch and have a better chance to compete for championships at that point. We're talking about a few years down the line, maybe Nick Saban's not the coach at Alabama anymore. And maybe the, uh, the, the competition that you're facing in the conference isn't as daunting. Right now with where Georgia and Alabama are and where Florida appears to be and still be headed with Dan Mullen, it's just not realistic. What, what I've tried to point out is, Andrew, if teams A, B, and C always have better players than Team D, who's picking Team D to beat out A, B, and C for championships? Well, A, B, and C are Alabama, Georgia, and Florida. Tennessee's Team D. So uh, Tennessee is a good job, and Tennessee is a program where you can win, and I think sometime in the future Tennessee can compete for championships again. But Tennessee's not close to that point right now. And with NCAA issues and in a time where you're trying to hire a coach where it's not ideal, it just makes it even harder. And that's why I think in the short term, expectations need to be adjusted for Tennessee football 
you hope to do well. And then in a few years, you hope to turn that into being able to contend for championships. Because right now, Tennessee's not in the class of those teams we're talking about. Yeah, it's not a get-rich-quick scheme at Tennessee at this point, right? I mean, Definitely not. And that's also ironic considering they were handing out potentially money and cash bags. Yeah, it might have been for players, according to UT. Yeah. <laughs> um, but in your in your opinion, where would Tennessee rank in terms of attractiveness? If you, if you were to take out every head coach, right, mm-hmm. uh, it, they were all to retire, where does Tennessee rank on this list? of all SEC schools in terms of attractiveness, if all coaches are gone? Yeah, I, I think Tennessee ranks seventh in the SEC. And seventh, seventh, sixth, and fifth, I think, are are comparable, but uh, not necessarily in order, but I think the top seven would be Georgia, Alabama, Florida, LSU, and then five, six, seven, I would go Texas A&M, then Auburn, then Tennessee. Nice. That's actually when you said seven, I was like, all right, who are the six ahead? And I was like, five, six, and seven have to be AM and Auburn. Those are the two that seemingly yeah. can compete almost year in and year out, right? They're they're at that what you talked about. They're at that respectable level. They can win between seven, eight, and nine games. They're gonna almost always lose to Bama, LSU, Florida, or Georgia, but they at least get to that respectable win number and occasionally they have a good year. I think that's ultimately what, as you said, Tennessee needs to be comfortable with but I think it starts with winning six games it starts with just getting to a bowl six seven eight games again talking going back to Iowa State that's what Matt Campbell did he's built that program up but it's just a lot it's a lot easier at Iowa State where the expectations are literally the lowest they can possibly be in all of college football compared yeah. to a Tennessee yeah uh, and by the way I, I think there's a, a clear separation from the top seven and then the bottom seven. Like None of the other seven, to me, would be in contention for being as good of a job as Tennessee. Mark Stoops has done a nice job at Kentucky. Tennessee's definitely ahead of Kentucky. I think definitely ahead of South Carolina, definitely ahead of Missouri. Those are quality programs, but I think Tennessee's closer to six, which I say is Auburn, than to eight. I, I think that's pretty clear, but uh, it also is just it's a challenging job because all those other jobs are so good. So uh, I don't know. Uh, another issue, we can maybe transition this into the second segment because we're now into the offseason, but the transfer portal is something Tennessee is trying to keep players from entering, as other schools are as well, but schools are trying to pluck players. Like Oklahoma landed Wanya Morris from Tennessee. Yep. Good for the Sooners, not good for the Vols. Players are getting ready for the offseason. We're going to talk about the Senior Bowl coming up. We'll get to all of that here on Locked On College Football. And today's show presented in part by BuiltBar.com. Andrew, since we've last talked, I ordered a mix box of bars from Built Bar. So I've tried different flavors. Some of the most recent flavors that I've tried out would be the cookies and cream, which I loved. And then, I don't know if it's my new favorite, but it's in contention. The mint brownie is terrific. There's so many different flavors for you to choose from, but the mint brownie is a perfect creation, in my opinion, from Built Bar. All the bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're all soft and uh, chewy, easy to chew. Uh, But with Built Bar, you're getting great flavor. You're getting healthy options as well. It's a great tasting protein bar at Built Bar. I'm glad you tried the mint brownie because that's actually the one I just recently tried as well. And I have been on it. That, that is the best bar. And I, you know me, I love the pump, pumpkin chocolate chip. I'm a big fan of cookies and cream, but mint brownie has been a big hitter for me. I've been eating it every single day. And as you mentioned, the flavor is fantastic. The health benefits though are amazing. Yesterday, I didn't have a chance to eat lunch. I was like, oh crap, what am I going to do? I grabbed myself a built bar. I was able to get 130 calories, 17 grams of protein, four grams of sugar and four grams of net carbs. It wasn't, you know, the biggest lunch, but it kept me going through the day in a quick time of need. It's also great for a post-workout snack or again just a snack throughout the day go to builtbar.com though you can get your own mint brownie built bars if you go to builtbar.com and use the promo code locked on you'll get 20 percent off your next order that's right go to builtbar.com and use the promo code locked on for 20 percent off at builtbar.com 
So, Andrew, I was talking at the end of the last segment, Tennessee right now is looking at the transfer portal, hoping players don't jump in because there, there has been talk of maybe some other guys could consider doing that. Wanya Morris is a former five-star signing in the 2019 class. He transferred to Oklahoma. Good news for the Sooners, by the way. Check out Locked on Sooners. But, um, you know, for Tennessee, they're hoping to avoid players like Henry Tooto deciding to leave. He's one of Tennessee's most talented players. But, you know, there's all kinds of speculation. There's talk about what's going on at Tennessee. I, I've said before, it was a poorly, set, poorly kept secret what was maybe going on behind the scenes at Tennessee, and now it's come to light. It's, you know, it's not even really being alleged. At this, it's being alleged by Tennessee what was occurring. Uh, but, you know, Mark Stoops told Kentucky Sports Radio he wanted to be careful what he said, but he's not surprised what he heard and what he saw on Monday. And that tells you something about – where things are with Tennessee, and it'll create questions about, okay, what's going on elsewhere? But I know that's the world of college football. I'm not naive to what's going on or, or blind to it, but I still think some people end up being caught off guard when they see these kinds of stories, especially to this level. To me, the surprise would not be that Tennessee was cheating. The surprise would be that Tennessee made it so easy to get caught when the university looked into it. I, yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more, especially if the, the allegations are true and how they were possibly doing it. But it sounds like it's a foregone conclusion that there are teams that are clearly cheating in the NCAA. You talked about it before, just the different coordinators and whatnot who are, uh, you know, clearly doing very well. But for what reason? Right. Like you're either the best recruiter in the entire world or you're probably giving the player something, which is unfortunate and sad in this state of college football. Uh, we didn't talk about this as kind of the prep, but how much do you think being able to pay players? legally is going to change some of this and maybe remove some of the illegality that is happening right now, right? If players can get money for their own, you know, endorsements and whatnot, do you feel like that changes yeah. a little bit of the structure about cheating and especially down in the South and the SEC? Yeah, maybe. Uh, I, I'll be curious. I, I mean, I know the argument that I hear often is, well, if name image likeness goes in into effect where players can profit off of it, then the rich are just going to get richer. And my question is, well, how much richer can they get? Alabama can only sign so many players. They're already signing the best class every year. Look at the rankings right now. Do you see Troy beating out Alabama for prospects right now? That's not happening. It's Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, LSU, Florida, Georgia every single year with Oregon thrown in there and, and a few others. USC can hop in. Texas can hop in. But it's the, it's the main big boy. So I think if anything – from a recruiting standpoint, it would give other schools that typically can't recruit those level players to say, hey, you're going to be the star here. There will be marketing opportunities for you come play. Now, will some shady business happen and they'll still have to monitor? Probably so. Part of this conversation is affected by we don't know exactly what the regulations would be, what, what exactly would be allowed. So, yeah, I, I still think there would be wrongdoing. But part of the reason I've been in favor of players being able to profit off their name, image, likeness is that things would be happening above board more often that you yep. wouldn't have to hide things. So I think it would be a positive. I think it would be a great learning experience. And I think it would be, it would, it would provide accountability and responsibility for players to learn from while they're in college. They're supposed to learn, right? They can profit at the same time. I think while there would be negatives, I think overall it could be a good thing. I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, like you said, there, there will be negatives. However, the fact that, as you said, it's going to be do, being done above board. People are going to be able to see it. It allows you to regulate it a lot easier if you see what's going on. And then, But it does, it does create some different gray lines. But I think it would be interesting because, as we talked about before the show, people – like for Alabama, for example, we talked about it. Do we feel like they are paying players? I personally don't feel like Nick Saban 
is giving money out, right? I don't feel like they're doing all these different recruiting out, you know, violations because people just want to go to Alabama. So in that case, they're going to continue to win. But like you said, other schools are going to have that opportunity to then potentially get a star player. Maybe Iowa state is able to get a five-star player because Ames loves their football players. When in all actuality, they typically would have gone to an sec school. So I think it does create a lot more opportunities for some of the smaller schools. But as you said, I don't think it actually impacts the top schools at all because ultimately if some of those a lot of those players are looking at their opportunity to get to the nfl and those big schools have big boosters as well and they still would get paid significant amount of money and endorsement money after the fact anyways right i I just you know and there's the idea well if players are able to to make money while they're playing it affects the sanctity of college football I, i think a lot of the time people that say that are also the same people that say hey the boosters need to cut a check to get this coach fired so we can go hire somebody else and pay him a bunch of money i just i I've never understood what people are so worried about Uh, and doesn't mean things are going to be the same. Things are changing. Look at the transfer portal and the amount of movement that we've seen in some schools with double digit transfers. So it'll create headaches for coaches. And right now with the way the recruiting process works, you have the early signing period and then the second signing period, which doesn't have as much activity, but I think a number of schools get to this point and say, okay, we're done taking high school prospects. We're going to focus on getting transfers to finish out the roster. So Things are changing in the world of college football from transfer eligibility to, I think, name image likeness. And I don't know for sure that happens this offseason, but it's a matter of time, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I don't mean to you know, switch it back, but I just pulled up the, the volunteers uh, transfer portal and there are 18 volunteers in the transfer portal at this point, or they have went to the transfer portal at some point in the last couple of yeah. weeks, including three quarterbacks, which to me is absurd. Um, what are you guys going to do? <laughs> Yeah, and that number could grow. And uh, to be clear, not all are scholarship players. Some are, are walk-on players, but a number of really good players. And players can go back uh, as long as the school will take them. Like Tennessee had tied in Austin Pope, enter the transfer portal, and decide, never mind, I'm going to go back to Tennessee. So, uh, But yeah, I think Tennessee, last I saw, was leading the nation in players transferring, and that was before Jeremy Pruitt got fired. So this is probably not going to help. And And remember, players can transfer in. Now, you still have the total number of players you can take in a class. So uh, it's, again, it's going to be a headache. I don't necessarily envy coaches having to deal with that. I might envy some of the money they make to do it, but uh, it's, it's an, it's a new era and they're all having to get it figured out. And then you're going to have coaches that move schools. So players might want to follow them. So it's, it's, it's going to be wild. Uh, you want to talk about the wild, wild West. I don't know that it is from a, a, a money making or paying money standpoint but in terms of just trying to keep up with everything it's going to be complicated but that's why we're here for you on locked on college football absolutely i mean roster construction is going to be paying kirk ferentz and iowa talked a lot about it he said you know the how we manage these rosters is so much different than when it when you did it back in 2002 and 2003 because you have so many people that are able to transfer in transfer out your scholarship numbers are constantly fluctuating and ultimately i feel like the only people it's going to hurt is potentially some of those lower ranked high school guys who are wanting to get a shot and they're waiting for their opportunity and then a team's like oh wait we're going to grab you know this two-star recruit or we're going to go grab this you know, grad transfer who wants to come here from a big school. I, I feel like ultimately the only people that could possibly hurt is some of those lower ranked guys when they get left out of the mix and are looking for an opportunity or a home. Yeah. To me, it sounds like moving forward, this is going to create more prop bet opportunities. When you go to betonline.ag, Andrew, and you go to bet online, you can find lines for NFL games. We have conference championship games this upcoming weekend. You have futures that are available in college football. You have basketball going on every day, NHL going on every day and you can find lines at betonline.ag. 
That was truly one of the best transitions ever, man. But I, I couldn't agree more. BetOnline.ag is where I go to for all my betting needs. It's the only place that has you covered and the only place that I personally do trust with my money. And I do put a lot of money on a lot of games every single day, all at BetOnline.ag. You can sign up today for a free account, though, at BetOnline.ag and use the promo code Locked On for your 50% welcome bonus. Telling you a little story here. I was down in Arizona visiting some family, um, and the fact that, they don't have legalized online gambling, but betonline.ag is available there at Arizona, any state in the country. So you can definitely download it wherever you are at. Go to betonline.ag. Use that promo code locked on for your 50% welcome bonus. Do not sit on the sidelines anymore. Go to betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. And remember the Locked On uh, Podcast Network as we continue here. We have all kinds of shows available, including Locked On Bets, as we were just talking about betonline.ag a moment ago, and Locked On NFL with the playoffs and the offseason right around the corner. And that's kind of a transition for us, Andrew, with both the college football season coming to an end, so the offseason with players moving on. You have the Senior Bowl coming up. Really interesting time as we were talking about transfers, but what about players who are moving on getting ready for the pros? Yeah, couldn't agree more. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with these players, especially given the fact that the state of college football and the draft process is going to be changing. Um, and that's why the Senior Bowl becomes such a important event. We see, I mean, this is honestly probably the most stacked Senior Bowl I have ever seen. They have Heisman Trophy winner Devontae Smith going there. They have Mac Jones. That quarterback room is probably the highest profile quarterback group since Baker Mayfield and Josh Allen went there. Um, with the combine changing the structure, um, it makes this so – it's going to be a fun week down in Mobile. I'm sad I can't go. Um, I did get credentials, but just didn't feel like it was right, and we weren't going to have that player access we typically get. But the Senior Bowl is going to be locked and loaded, and you can follow that along online and on TV as well, which is going to be fun to watch. Yeah, and you know, not- notable names, I think, at the skill position. Think about what Tylen Wallace has done at Oklahoma State the last few years. Alabama represented, as you mentioned, by uh, Mac Jones, but also Devontae Smith. I mean, you have a Heisman Trophy winner, multiple Heisman finalists. And just the intrigue this season with the big-name schools we've talked about, they produce big-time talent and, uh, and, and big names that have won the individual awards, not just the Heisman. So we get to see what those guys are able to do. And the, the NFL draft has become a monster. over time Uh, I don't know how far back we go now but it's just become an annual huge event and with that the build-up to it so I I think it starts now Uh, the playoffs get the most attention and the national championship game in college football gets the most attention but that's over on and not only the uh, the fans of the teams that these players were on but the fans that watch them, you know, like Amari Rogers at Clemson. I think he's a, an intriguing player to see what kind of shot he gets or Canaries, Tony, who are probably really comparable in terms of what they're able to do. So those guys kind of compete in some ways and it'll affect their draft stock, which will have a, a huge buildup over the next few months. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. And Jim Nagy's done a fantastic job of making the senior bowl, the premier draft event in the country every single year. And as you mentioned so many high name players, but there's also a huge event for a lot of those FCS guys who are getting invited. Yeah, really important. Yeah. Like Spencer Brown from Northern, Northern Iowa, uh, Kate Johnson from South Dakota state university. I mean, those are guys who had their season canceled. They didn't get a chance to play. They were on the draft radar. Now they have an opportunity to go down to mobile and perform well. And especially one of the nice things about mobile is the fact that they do 
a lot of one-on-one drills. So for an offensive lineman, you have a chance you go one-on-one versus defensive ends. Now that is going to be advantageous for the defensive end, but if you show out well there, that is huge for your draft stock. Eric Fisher, I had Matt Miller on the Locked on Hawkeyes podcast. He's an NFL draft scout, formerly a Bleacher Report, but he even mentioned that Eric Fisher became the number one overall pick in part because of how well he performed down the senior bowl in one-on-one drills. Michael Ojemudia for Iowa last year. Uh, coming out of Iowa, Iowa is a primarily a zone defense type of school. He went and expected quarterbacks are really at a disadvantage here because it's all one-on-one drills against wide receivers who know what they are doing. You have no help over top. You have no positioning really there. And he performed well pressing and playing man coverage against a tall and fast group of guys. Chase Claypool was down there, for example. I mean, uh, that guy's been exploding on the scene this year in the NFL. And Michael Ojemudia's draft stock rose because of how well he performed against Claypool and other guys and was able to get drafted in the third round. So, and we look at Baker Mayfield. Hell, he became the first overall pick after a fantastic performance down in Mobile. So this is a really huge opportunity, especially with guys who opted out. Nico Collins from Michigan didn't play this season. That's huge, too, for even those big school guys who decided to sit out. This is a big opportunity. I cannot overstate that enough. Yeah, I love how excited you get for the Senior Bowl. I love talking about it uh, with you last year, too. Yeah. It's so fun, man. Uh, dude, it was just it was just one of the coolest events ever. And I'm going to be going down there pretty much every year until my wife yells at me and says I can't. Well, that's great. And, and it really is great for those guys. I love I'm playing the top 40 hits and you're finding the uh, the players that deserve more attention because this really is this is their opportunity. And uh, the chance to go to the Senior Bowl is a, a huge deal. There's you know, there's often I know with Tennessee players, if guys didn't get invitations, it became somewhat controversial because it's it can be a missed opportunity that in the combine obviously is a big deal. Yeah, and especially this year, more than ever, it's a missed opportunity. I think when you look at the draft landscape, we don't know what the combine is going to look like. We, there's a lot of other bowl games that aren't being played. I believe the Shrine Bowl was canceled. I think the Hula Bowl is still going on. But even then, you're eliminating the opportunities for scouts to see you and for scouts to interview you. And that makes the Senior Bowl even more important. And I think some players might have went out thinking, I will be able to get into the Senior Bowl because you got to remember, we have that free year. All players were eligible to go back to school this year and they probably thought in a normal year I'm getting an invite to the senior bowl and I go back to Michael Ojemudia he did not get an initial invite to the senior bowl it wasn't until other guys dropped out but in this year people will be dumb to drop out because especially the small school guys even the pack 12 only playing three to four games like this is your time to shine and there's it's a locked and loaded class and it really hurts some of those um fringe day three UDFA guys not getting a chance to show out here, which is unfortunate, but it's the way of the game. And that's why the NCAA allowed an extra year of eligibility for these reasons. Yeah. As as much coverage, as much FaceTime, real FaceTime, not the technological FaceTime now that you can get the better. So uh, all the best to those guys. And that's going to be a fun story to pay attention to. So the senior bowl and the off season, the, uh, the combine, whatever they're able to, to pull off before the NFL draft, will all be important. And uh, the, the offseason is going to bring a, a ton of storylines. We're talking about the transfer market, that recruiting still to go to finish out the 2021 class. The college football season, unfortunately, is over, but the storylines are not. So, uh, Andrew, I know you're covering everything on Locked on Hawkeyes. I have topics to cover on Locked on Balls. We have Locked on SEC, Locked on Big Ten. So your conferences, your teams, they're covered college and pro. Andrew, good to have you back. Good to see you and talk to you today. And uh, we'll try it again next Wednesday. Absolutely, man. Glad to be back. Glad to chat with you. And uh, you got a busy day ahead of you with all this Locked On Ball stuff. Absolutely. It's fun. And we appreciate you being with us. And don't forget, Locked On College Football is here five days a week covering what's going on in the college football world. It's part of the Locked On Podcast Network.